From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome everybody to the Angry and Negative Show. I am your host Dan the Flyer fan. With me as always, Angry Jim. Jim, are you angry tonight? Extremely angry. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, this is our first episode since the end of the Flyer season, so we thought we'd get some extra help here tonight. We have a couple of guests. First, he is a contributor to BrotherlyPuck.com. Brian Adams is here. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, honestly, I'm pretty... I am pretty happy to be enjoying hockey without the Flyers ticking me off at every <laughs> turn of the, you know, just every little possible minute there. Uh, but that being said, there's been enough stuff to kind of irritate the crap out of me so far. Yeah, that's uh, it's always interesting watching other hockey teams that are good play hockey. It's uh, always a treat. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and our other guest tonight, he is a fan of the show from Section 247 Podcast. Michael Watkins is here. Michael, how you doing? What is up, everybody? It, it, let me tell you, the, the season ended on Saturday, and for some reason by Sunday you were pissed off again. <laughs> so, I mean, did it really ever end then? It, it never really truly ends. No, I mean, and I just love the memes of the of the images of the first black hole going side by side with the Flyers logo. I think it fits perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect fit. It really is. Well, the playoffs are underway. They start tonight. Um, Jim and I made some predictions last week, but with our guests uh, this week and a couple series have changed. Jim and I will go over them. We'll get your opinions as well. Uh Tampa Bay versus Columbus. Jim, you had uh, Tampa Bay in four. Do you want to change that? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jim in four. I had him in five, which I think is giving uh, Columbus far too much credit. <laughs> uh, Michael, what are your opinions on the uh, Tampa Bay versus Columbus series? You know, I, at first I thought maybe Columbus might show up for at least one game. But just by watching the first period of the one tonight, <laughs> it doesn't even seem like they're even alive. You know, they had to fight too hard to get into the playoffs. So, I, you know, I, I just think they're, they're going to get swept. Okay, Michael has them in four. Brian? Yeah, I got to think that the first period so far is going to be a microcosm of the entire freaking series. Um Columbus just kind of limped into the postseason there at the end. They got a little hot right, right in like the last couple of games there, but on addition to that, Bobrovsky historically is not that great in the postseason. Um, I take Tampa in four. Tampa in four. Yeah, I uh, I really did not want Columbus to make the playoffs because I wanted to watch him implode. But I think mm. watching him getting curb stomped by the Lightning in the first round is going to be just as satisfatising. <laughs> I, I agree. Oh, I agree with so. you 100 percent on that one. I, <laughs> I was hoping they added all that talent. Yeah, and then not and to miss. Make the that would have been great. But oh, that would have been magical. Uh, but you know, yeah. hey, will Bob be a discounted price now in the off season? Because he just can't perform in the playoffs. It, it's possible. I don't think so because he is, you know, the name he's that Bob. he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what were his numbers like during the regular season? Were they bad this year? He came on towards the end. I mean, he was there was a couple times he was in the press box. He wasn't even the uh, active goalie. Sixty-two games, a two fifty-eight goals against, and a nine thirteen save percentage. Yeah, the yes. Bob numbers. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, above he average. Was, he was pretty awful to start the year, though. He was. He was. Uh, next series, the one I'm probably looking forward to the most, Boston versus Toronto. Jim, you had Toronto in seven. You want to keep that the same? Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. I think that's, for me, that's going to be one of the best series to watch, I think. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, offense. Uh, I really, I think John Tavares could be the difference in this uh, series. I think uh, Boston has a really good top line. Uh, I mentioned that in the last show, but uh, I, I just feel like Toronto has so many weapons. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a good, hard-fought series, and I think they do take it in seven. I had Boston in seven. Um I don't particularly care for either one of these teams, but I think I like Boston a little more than Toronto. And I think Toronto is going to be one of those teams that are going to be fun to watch if they lose. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that Boston in seven, uh, Brian. I am also going to go Boston in seven. Um, I think this is good. This is like you guys were saying, this is going to be a really, really fun series to watch. Both teams are really good offensively. The kicker for me is Boston's goaltending. I trust a lot more. Like, I'm not sure. Frederick Anderson is going to be is going to be able to you know steal a couple games for them this series like the way that you know probably Tuka Rask is going to be able to so I'm going to take Boston seven and Michael I think experience is the key thing in this series and Boston just has the experience you know for for whatever reason Toronto's loaded offensively nobody's going to you know argue that one but for some reason the postseason Boston just plays as a team Tuca goes on a hot streak, and Boston should pull this out. I think it's going to be a seven-gamer. I think they just beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting, too. I, I don't think it's going to be a friendly one. I think this is going to be a good, old-fashioned hockey series, and uh, that should definitely be fun to look forward to. Next one, one of the more interesting series, in my opinion, Washington versus Carolina. Uh, Jim, you had Washington in six last week. Are you keeping that the same? Uh... I think I'm going to keep it the same. I think it possibly could go seven, but I'm going to stay six. Yeah, Washington in six. I had Carolina in seven. They're going to be the team that I'm pulling for. I definitely think these guys deserve it. They deserve to make some noise, and I think upsetting Washington in the first round would be the way to do it. And uh, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, Washington isn't really the Goliath that they have been over the last couple of years. Obviously, they're still a very good team, but I don't think I don't think they're going to have it this year. I think uh, Carolina would be just a really fun team to, uh, you know, beat them. And uh, it would really uh, put a stir in the national media. Don Cherry might actually not make it after that series. So uh, that would be great. Uh, Michael? You know, as as much as I want Carolina to win, you know, I, I'm with you on that one, Dan. I want Carolina to win because I think it'd just be fun to see. And the NHL always in the first round, there's that one upset that just gets you. Uh, I think Carolina can win this. I think they win it in seven. Carolina in seven. All right. And Brian? I really, really want to see Carolina win this. I think that would be so fun to see. I've always loved Robert Indemore as a player and everything he's done and everything, so I really want to support him. I still think Washington takes this in probably six. Um, kind of similar to the Toronto-Boston series, I think goaltending is going to be the kicker here. And while Morozik was has been pretty good for Carolina, I will take Holtby over him any day to try and steal a couple of games. Um, I'm also having horrible, horrible flashbacks to when Morozik was a flyer and couldn't face the right direction. <laughs> so, yeah, give me Washington six. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those series that if Carolina can really, you know, kind of get under their skin early, they may be able to make it. But it is definitely a David and Goliath scenario where Carolina mm -hmm. has a, a huge uphill battle no matter how they do it. And Brenda Moore, probably one of my favorite flyers of all time. 
Um, mm-hmm. Definitely in the top five. So it, it, would, it would be nice to see them make some noise. The next series, I, I can't even believe this is a thing. Islanders versus Pittsburgh, two least favorite teams in the league going head to head. Jim and I both had them, uh, had Pittsburgh in six. Jim, you keeping that the same? Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it the same. Uh, only because I just, as much as I hate Pittsburgh, I, I, I don't want to watch the Islanders. I would rather, <laughs> I would rather see Washington Pittsburgh again, and then you know, hopefully Washington mm-hmm. win that one. Um, but I, I have no interest whatsoever in watching the Islanders play. So I'll go Pittsburgh in six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep Pittsburgh in six as well. I, I, I can't stand the Islanders, and I don't know if they have really what it takes. Pittsburgh tends to, uh, you know, really play extra well this time of year, so I don't think the Islanders really have a chance. Uh, Brian, how are you feeling? Um, I, too, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one. Uh, I could see how New York makes it a little interesting toward the end, especially if Matt Murray pulls a couple games like he did against the Flyers where he just absolutely craps the bed in the third period and lets them, you know, take it in the last dying minutes of the game. Uh, but, yeah, I still, I still, even to this point, don't think the Islanders are nearly as good as their results are showing. I, I'm taking Pittsburgh. In how many games? Uh, seven. Pittsburgh in seven. All right. Michael? You know, Pittsburgh just, Pittsburgh just you know, like Boston, once it comes to the postseason, they find that extra gear to get it going. Uh, and But the only thing is this this is a good matchup because you have good defense from the Islanders, which who thought you could have said that after last season, versus a good offense with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh still just pulls it out. You know, and I want to see Pittsburgh Washington just just like you, Jim. So, but I think they do it in five. I think that wow, <laughs> yeah, I I think the the lack, you know, the the shiny new Coliseum wears off real quick, probably after game one, and then Pittsburgh just rolls. Yeah, that building will be about half full as well. <laughs> Looks half full right now. It, not surprising. There's probably a car in the front row and a ladder up top that nobody's standing on, and <laughs> a car in the front row. <sighs> Uh, Over to the West. This is where things changed a little bit, so we all have fresh predictions here. Nashville and Dallas is now the matchup. Nashville, uh, last week it was Nashville-St. Louis, which I really wanted to see. Now it's Nashville-Dallas, which I think is going to be interesting. In my opinion, I think Nashville has this one uh, in six. Jim? You know what? I'm looking at at the the brackets here, and the East, I'm not excited for – I may be excited for that one matchup, actually, Boston-Toronto, but I'm excited, and I feel like this is the case every single year. Every matchup in the West is like heavy. It's a heavyweight fight. Yeah. Um. And, and Nashville-Dallas, I think, is going to be. Um. I think it's going to be a tough series, and I I think Dallas is going to end up taking this one in, in maybe six games. Um. They finished the season pretty strong. Uh. They have guys like Ben Sagan. Uh, they have Klingberg on, on defense, and then they have Ben Bishop, who finished the season with a 1.98 goals against average, and a point. I think it's 0.934 save percentage. So I mean, if he gets hot, and and they can steal a couple games, maybe one or two games in Nashville, I think Dallas takes this in six. Dallas is one of those teams that has all the pieces, but they generally typically don't work together at the same time. And I agree. I think if they can get it going and they do have a chance in this series, uh, much like uh, I said about Washington, I don't think Nashville's quite the, 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 the behemoth that they were in the past. Uh, I don't, I don't feel it from this season. I don't think they're going to go all the way. I do think they do storm past Dallas at some point. Uh, Michael, how are you feeling about this series? You know, this is one that, that could surprise you and Dallas could pull it out uh, because Nashville didn't have that Nashville kind of season. Yeah. Like they've, 
had in the past where they kind of just rolled. Um, you know, it, they made a lot of moves at the deadline. They really haven't come to fruition yet for them. You know, they couldn't the playoffs. You, you had a lot of experience in Simmer and even Boyle. Uh, but I think Dallas can surprise you in this one in seven. Dallas in seven. Brian? I kind of like Dallas, too, personally. They... I think Ben Bishop is going to get is getting hot just at the right time to carry him through the postseason. I originally had concerns about Dallas and their offensive depth because they're kind of another one of those one line teams where they have Radulov, Ben, and Sagan, and that's the overwhelming majority of their offensive production, especially with Spezza not doing nearly as well as he's done in previous years. But that being said, I mean Nashville, like you're like we've been saying, is just not you know that behemoth of a team that we've come to expect lately. Especially their power play. Their power play has been a little dreadful lately, even though they uh, added power play specialist Wayne Simmons here. You, yeah. God, don't even get me started there. But <laughs> yeah, a really I, good point. I could. Uh, I, I think Dallas takes this in seven. Dallas in seven. Wow. Man, they had four lines against the Flyers a couple weeks ago, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you mentioned Nashville's uh, power play. It's actually ranked dead last. Yep. You need the power play in the playoffs, man. You can't can't not score power play goals. And the next series that changed, Winnipeg-St. Louis. Um, I would have liked to see the Nashville-St. Louis series, but this one I think I'm just as excited for. Uh, Both teams are are playing pretty well right now. Um, Man, I don't know. I think... My heart says Winnipeg, but my brain says St. Louis. Um, you know what? I'm going to go Follow on a <laughs> Go on a limb here. You already used your heart once with Carolina. Yeah, 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 yeah that's a good point. I don't have a heart. I can't spin it multiple times. <laughs> Winnipeg in seven. Jim? This one's a tough one. This is. St. Louis is hot. We talked about them. I feel like we talked about them a couple times towards yeah. the end of the season. Um. As much as I do want to pick St. Louis, uh, I, I would love to see Winnipeg in the next round. I feel like they're really a, a heavyweight playoff team. They got guys like Bufflin, uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, I'd like to see Lina get it going. Uh, why can't I think of that that one guy's name? Is it Kyle Connor? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks pretty good. Um, I think Winnipeg is built for the playoffs, uh, and I'd like to see them advance. So I'll, I'll take Winnipeg in six games. All right, Brian. I have like I have loved the Blues the second half of the season. I think that I mean that team at the beginning of the season was just stacked on paper. It was insane to see them get off to as slow as a start as they did. And I think that since that team is finally coming to fruition here, finally seeing its potential here in the second half, you know, I mean Ryan O'Reilly's been jonesing for a freaking good playoff series. I think he's going to light it up here. I have been a huge fan of Vladimir Tarasenko for a while now. I think he's going to get hot just at the right time. Bennington's been what saved them, and he's still been pretty darn good. I'll take St. Louis in six. All right, Michael. I mean, let's let's think about this from a standpoint of how we're being tortured right now. <laughs> <laughs> Philpool is playing for the Islanders. Yes. Uh-huh. He's in the playoffs. Yep. Razik led the Hurricanes to the playoffs. And Brewery's coaching the Blues. <laughs> So we're just being tortured on on all ends here. But hey, look, Blues made a lot of moves in the offseason. I think the reason why they start off so slow is because they just couldn't gel. Uh, because the moves are made late. They all came in the camp, didn't really know each other. And we saw after they got rid of the coach, brought a young kid up with goalie, stole the show. 
uh, basically might win the Calder Trophy now. Uh, but Winnipeg is just a machine. I mean, you can't you can't get by their offense. That I think they win in six. Winnipeg in six. All right. Um, this next one was a matchup last week. Calgary, Colorado. Uh, Jim, you had that. Uh, you had Calgary in six. You keeping that? As much as I want to give the Avalanche a game or say they could possibly even steal the series, I'm going to keep it like that. Yeah, because I think Calgary's uh, – they got a, a really solid team over there. Plus, they got Johnny Hockey. They got a, a Norris candidate and Mark Giordano. Uh, Miko Rantanen has – I don't think he's come back. He, he's supposed to be back, I think, for the first game for the Avalanche. So, I mean, they have – they're a one-line team. They're not fully healthy. I think I'm going to stick with Calgary in six. Yeah, I had Calgary in five. Uh, I just think that, you know, if Calgary can withstand the one line of the Colorado Avalanche, they'll be just fine. Uh, I think this is going to be Calgary's year to actually make some noise. I don't know if they're going to go all the way, but I definitely think it should be a pretty easy first round for them. Michael, how are you feeling? Let me tell you, I'm just, I have a one-month-year-old, so I've been up late at night watching West Coast games, and Calgary is just incredible to watch. And I don't know who's going to stop them. So until somebody does it, I think it's Calgary in five. All right, Brian? Yeah, I am going to go Calgary in five as well. They are a really fast, fun, offensive team to watch. Their goaltending is a little suspect. I could see how, you know, guys like Nathan McKinnon and Landis Cog can actually make do a little bit of damage there and maybe manage to steal a game in the you know the dying minutes or so. But I think they've got maybe one game to do that, and then Calgary's just going to stomp them the rest of the way. All right, and probably my favorite series, uh, uh, Jesus, San Jose Sharks <laughs> versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I had Vegas in seven. Jim, you had the Sharks in six. You want to keep that? I might push it to seven. I'm going to go Sharks in seven. And uh, you know, before the season started, I had the Sharks uh, go into the Stanley Cup, possibly winning. This was before Tampa Bay did what Tampa Bay was doing. Um, but I think, you know, they have a lot of guys on one-year deals, I think. Uh, Couture, Pavelski, Thornton, uh, Eric Carlson, obviously. Um, I think, you know, maybe they, they put it all together for at least a couple rounds. Um, so that's why I'm going with the Sharks in seven games over the Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I think the Sharks, I mean, this is certainly the year where it's do or die for them as far as their core and, and what they have. And um, But I picked... The Golden Knights to win at the beginning of the season. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to keep them in seven as well. I think it's going to be a good series, though. Uh, Brian, how are you feeling? I think this is going to be probably the series to watch. This versus Toronto-Boston, I think, are the two that are going to be by far and away the most fun. I'm going to take Vegas in seven because I think they're the more complete team. Uh, Martin Jones for San Jose has really scared me in yeah. pretty much throughout the duration of the year, honestly. Mm -hmm. And... You need really good goaltending to steal you a couple games in the playoffs. I don't think Martin Jones is the guy. Mark Andre Fleury's been there, done that. I I take Vegas. All right, and Michael. Yeah, I agree. Uh, San Jose came limping into the playoffs. I mean, it, and it's it's a shame because you know you want to see Joe Thornton win one, but yeah, it's just it's just not in the cards with them. They're playing Vegas, who Vegas had a quiet good year compared to the you know how everybody gave them attention last year. But, you know, Vegas is going to be there. They have the experience. Vegas in five. Wow. I'm going to go bold on that one because I, I just think San Jose doesn't show up. 
I, I think that's possible, and I think that's probably the risk more with the Sharks than anything, is just them kind of finding their uh, gelling together at the same time. You know, I think they have a lot on the line, though, and I think that, you know, with obviously this could be Joe Thornton's last season, or at least last one in San Jose, so um, I, I think that they're going to try hard. I think they're going to be, be competitive. Who knows, though? I I, I like Vegas. They're, they're, they've been my pick uh, this season. I picked them to win the Cup. So uh, I hope that they can continue. That are the at least the first round of the playoffs. Um, so let's get into some of the actual angry shit here, because there's plenty uh, yeah. of that. Uh huh. Yeah. Where? Where do we even start? <laughs> let's. <laughs> let's Go ahead. Let's start. How about the draft lottery? These motherfucking <laughs> teams, the Metro teams. Jersey wins, Rangers get second, Chicago in three. Of course Chicago wins. I thought for sure Edmonton and Chicago get one and two just because that's how things happen. But uh, no, man, I, I, I'm I not thrilled with this. You know, I didn't really expect the Flyers to make it, but the fact that the other Metro teams did, man, that's annoying. Jim, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this uh, draft lottery? I mean, almost, almost what I thought was going to happen happened, like – I, I figured New York and Chicago were going to go one and two. Well, they finished two and three. Like, like how does that actually happen? And then I saw I saw somebody, I'm not going to say who, like, posted some, oh, if the Flyers would have lost maybe one or two more games, they would have been in the top three. Like, dude, like, I don't think this stuff is, I mean, who knows if it's rigged or not. Like, uh, you know, the big market teams, they want to succeed, obviously. Um, I'm not so I'm not sure why New Jersey keeps getting the mother motherfucking first <laughs> overall picks to it the last three years. But I mean, you could see that coming with New York and Chicago. I wasn't surprised one bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that like, I don't know, I, I predicted Edmonton, Chicago and Chicago got three uh, Jersey. It's a damn shame. Jack Hughes is probably going to rot away in New Jersey because I, 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 uh, I can't stand them. I, I just don't think. That's a team that still holds on to the same, you know, playing style that they had in the '90s. You know, that, they're that, so that, boring to watch. Yeah, oh that, god, the damn trap! Defensive <laughs> style trap game, and it's it's been the same thing for like 30 years. And poor Jack Hughes is gonna have to go there and suffer. You know, Michael, uh, how are you feeling about this New Jersey winning? You know, I you know who I think the real winner of this draft lottery is the Ottawa Senators. Because they don't look like bad that they didn't give up the number one pick, you know. I think they win, but hey, look, we we knew that they were going to be picking somewhere between ten and fifteen. I mean, it really shouldn't be surprised. It just sucks when you see the Rangers up there, when you see the Devils up there, and you see the Blackhawks up there. Uh, you know, that's what that's what hurts the most. But hey, look, we're going to pick where we are. You know, I I just don't understand how the Flyers. They'll they'll post on Instagram on Twitter. Hey, we're picking eleven. Hey, we are. Yippee. Uh, we're mediocre yeah you know but hey it's just uh, new jersey's gonna get the number one overall pick again and the guy's a bona fide stud so yeah brian you know i for one am just absolutely shocked that two teams in the greater new york market and the chicago blackhawks lucked into the top three spots i think we should give chicago an outdoor game to celebrate this success personally Uh, you know, it's major success here. I, it fucking drives me insane. Like, can, can we just start calling them the New Jersey Oilers at this point? Like, Taylor Hall's there. They're starting to accrue all these number one picks. Can we just name them Oilers East? 
Man, the stats I've seen, I don't have any in front of me at the moment, but the crazy stats I've been seeing, like Taylor Hall and all the first-round picks and what he was oh, traded God. for, and it's, it's crazy. It's hilarious. That guy's cursed. Hey, as long as they suck like the Oilers, I'm, I'm fine with all this. Oh, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Bring in Pete Shirelli <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> Last I heard, Shirelli was uh, in St. Louis. He was, uh, yeah. yeah. He's on Bayou, right? Jesus. Uh, let's see here. What the fuck else can we talk about? Oh, let's talk about something yes. that's not necessarily angry yet. We'll get there. I know what you're thinking. Oh. <laughs> oh, trust me. I'm building a head of steam for that one. Let's talk the Flyers end of season awards. It was last week, two weeks ago, we talked the Brotherly Puck end awards. Let's talk the Flyers, uh, get everybody's feelings on this one. The Bobby Clark MVP trophy went to Sean Couturier. Uh, Well-deserved, obviously. I think he's you know, continues to be the budding star of this team um, for somebody that, you know, he just keeps getting better. And uh, every time you think that, you know, he's kind of hitting his peak, he, he, he definitely was able to... Um, propel himself this season, make everything better. He was able to prove that last season wasn't a fluke. Now, on the Brotherly Puck Awards, we had Carter Hart as the MVP, but hey, Sean Couturier, he's pretty good too. Hell yeah. I mean, you know, if if Sean Couturier doesn't emerge like he has the last two years, either Claude Giroux is still playing center, uh, you know, and, and he could still be declining or whatever the hell everybody was saying two years ago. Um, we're still, we're looking for a number, I mean, we're still looking for a number two center, but, um, you know, maybe we're talking trade instead, Couturier breaks out. He's got 30 goals back to back years, 70 points back to back years. And all of a sudden we have a number one center, um, or at least a number two, depending on what happens in the next, uh, in the next off season. But, you know, it has to go to Coots. He's, he was consistent all year. He started out slow, um, whether he was hurt or not. And he, he did. He did what he did all season long on both sides of the puck, which was um, few and far between with some of the players on this team this year. So, completely agree with that. Uh, with that uh, pick for the Bobby Clark Trophy, and he deserves it. Michael. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just two years in a row now, putting together some consistency. I mean, we forget, what, he's 25, 26 years old. It feels like he's been with the Flyers for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad he's having a success he's had. Uh, and I hope he just gets better. I mean, can we just give the guy a selkie already, though? <laughs> for real, Maybe. man. Yeah. I mean, I think this year is a is a viable year. He could win it for how consistent he was this year versus how he played last year. I think he, he honestly could be a top one there for it. I think he's going to be a finalist, but I don't think he wins just because I don't have any faith in them doing anything right. Uh, Brian? Yeah, I would have been very happy with one of Couturier or Hart winning this. I mean, Couturier continu- like, continually was making the players around him better all year, especially on the second line, which wound up being the best line for a little period of time there while Giroud was centering. What was it, like Van Riems, like can connect me or something? And they just could not get it going. But then at the same time, you know, you have Carter Hart, who is pretty much the reason that the Flyers took on a Tampa Bay Lightning-esque point pace in the second half of the season. I... I I, I could be happy with really either of these guys getting getting the MVP, really. I love the idea that we should be at least a finalist for the Selkie. My only, I, I just wonder if, if Boston makes a deep enough run, if politics is just going to give it to, to Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron anyway. Yeah. Yeah. As always. 
Yeah. Uh, the Barry Ashby Trophy for Best Defenseman went to Rad Gugudis. Obviously, Sammy Man was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I believe Brotherly Puck Awards gave it to Travis Sanheim. But, you know, if you're going to talk about consistency, Rad Gugudis was one of the few flyers on the whole roster that was showing any kinds of consistent from start to finish this year. Uh, Jim, how are you feeling about Rad Gugudis winning the Barry Ashby Trophy? I fucking hate it. Like, I, I, abs- <laughs> I absolutely hate that. Like, you, you were stacked with all these young defensemen, and Radko Gudis was our top defenseman this year. That's that's such shit. But I'm not going to get angry about this, you know? It just goes to show how how terrible they were this year on defense. You got guys like Gossespierre, Provorov. Uh, Sanheim, when he came up, played very well. Um, who did I miss there? Oh, we had Andy McDonald. I mean... Uh, I, it's it's cool that he won it, but I hate that he did just because of the talent that we're supposed to have back there. So I, I would have went with Sanheim, but you know I understand why they picked Gudis, I guess. Yeah, you don't want to get angry. That's not the name of the show or anything. <laughs> I'm trying to save it because I know what's coming. Oh yeah, I, I'm trust me, I'm, I'm building up. Uh, Brian, I mean Radko probably deserved it the most out of anybody, but God damn it, if we could have gotten good years out of. Provorov or Gustav Spare. One, this could have been a pretty healthy competition for the award. And two, we'd probably be in a hell of a lot better spot in the in the freaking postseason right now. We could actually like be doing stuff if Provorov and Gustav Spare are so much better than what we got out of them this year. I mean, I guess the one good thing, at least in terms at least for Provorov, is that the down year here maybe helps maybe mitigate the cap hit he's gonna get on his contract eventually. But still, if you're going into the next season with Radko Gudis being considered your best overall defenseman, Jesus Christ, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, Michael? <laughs> yeah, I think they gave the award to the, the least worst defenseman yeah, from yep. this year. I mean, but hey, look, all kidding aside, and I, Jim, I know you might not agree with me, but he actually <laughs> did not have a bad year. Uh, you know, he doesn't put up the, a lot of points that Gosper might put up or – He's not as sexy looking as Provorov skating out there, but he had the most consistent year out of everybody. He didn't just lay down and try to reach for a puck when they were skating by him. And that's why they gave it to him. But, you know, Sandheim, it was great to see Sandheim play. It was it was a lot of fun seeing Myers play because I'm a Myers naysayer. But uh, I was proven wrong with the with the small sample size we had. I look forward to next season seeing him more. I just hope they just give Provorov a little bit of a workload rest than what he had to go through this year. Yeah, I think you said it. Gudis was just... Gudis is just... He does what he does well. You know, and, and he plays a solid game, but he doesn't play a big game. Like, you know, like a Provorov or a Gossesberry. He just... He exists, and he does well, and I think that's, you know, why he does well. And, and hey, listen, if he's going to play his role as a defenseman, fine by me. Uh, the Pele Lindbergh, or as fucking Taron Hadrick called it, the Pele Lindbergh. That's stupid <laughs> fucking... Watch it, watch it. Oh, shut up. Hey, don't you don't want to go down that road again. Dan. Oh, yeah, heaven forbid. <laughs> fucking people can she suck listens. My... Oh, yeah. Fucking suck my cock. <laughs> um, anyway, the mo- <laughs> most improved player they gave to Travis Sanheim. I gave it to Scott Lawton on the Brotherly Puck Awards, um, but I think those are probably the two players that uh, deserved it the most. And uh, Sanheim, uh, you know, he-, he definitely improved. I. My argument for giving it to Scott Lawton was that Sanheim was good last year, 
but he just never got a shot under Haxtell versus where Lawton, I think, actually improved as a player. But hey, I get the Sandheim thing, and, and overall, I think he really showed flashes of brilliance this year that hopefully he can continue on the next year. Jim? Yeah, and I agree with you about Scotty Lawton, um, but uh, I would go with Sandheim. And, you know, now, you know, he has that first full season under his belt. He actually got some playing time. Next year, he's going to be a cornerstone of this defense. He's going to be a, in the top four, if, the, if not top two. And uh, I'm going to expect even more from, from Travis Sandheim next year. I'm looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to seeing him more than any of the defensemen. And, uh, and you know, beginning of this year, I, it was all pro overall for me. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Travis Sandheim does next year. So I, I'm cool with that. I think he deserved it. Michael? I would have liked to see Scott Lawton win, only because Scott Lawton has been – you know, on social media and the media itself has always been the ones like, when is he going to step up? Yeah. When is he going to actually get to where everybody put him up when he was drafted? Uh, again, been in the organization forever. But Sanheim was a breath of fresh air to watch this year. You know, it, it was it was the future looks bright when it comes to the top four defensemen. And, you know, as they add some depth there, we can do good things. So I'm not I'm not mad that Sanheim won it. Brian? Before I get into this, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a little transparent. I was so set on Nolan Patrick getting this at the start of the year, and ugh, that first half of the year just kind of destroyed any sort of odds he had at it, which made me so freaking disappointed. I'm um, just but getting back to like you know the actual topic here, I I, I definitely agree with Sanheim. Um, he he really evolved pretty darn well this year into a very dynamic defenseman who can jump up on the rush and just score and just and just very easily jump up on the rush and score a goal. I really liked what I saw of him this year. I, I like the Sandheim pick. All right. The Yann, <laughs> Yannick Dupree class guy went to fucking Andrew fucking McDonald because he's so classy <laughs> and a leader and everybody loves him and he's a great defenseman and he's probably going to come back next year because I'm not going to buy him out and everything sucks and everything fucking sucks. Jim, take it away. <laughs> I don't know. How do I follow that? Right. How does... <laughs> How does he not deserve that award? Nobody? See? He does deserve it. (laughs) So, for Class Guy Award, let me see here. How about giving that to Sandheim, too, for, uh, you know, sitting in the the press box under Dave Haxtell or or playing eight to ten minutes a night when clearly he should should have been out there for 18 to 21 minutes every night? I mean, I I don't really have a guy for this award, so I'm just going to throw a name out there just so I don't have to say I agree with uh, Andy McDonald, but uh, or, or I mean, we could even give it to Carter. Like I, I don't know who who do you want to give this award to? Like anybody Samuel but Andy McDonald. Moran. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> give it to Sammy Moran. There you go. Fuck Andy McDonald. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Any thoughts, boys? Uh, I I rather just skip this one altogether. I mean, hey, look, <laughs> it's obviously the team loves this guy in the in the locker room. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that's the only thing that has come up over the past four years. All I can remember is when you, you hear McDonald's name, when he broke his foot last year, oh, he's great to have in the locker room. Yeah, that's great. You know, so is the stick boy. I mean, what do you want? Can we at least be ironic and give this to Travis Konechny for chirping the shit out of people so we can just oh. say, yeah, he's definitely the classiest guy on our team as he's telling people to, sure. I'll, fu- I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fuck you up any day, do it any time, take off your fucking ear cuffs. <laughs> yeah, he's totally the classiest guy on the team. But no, like, giving this to Andrew McDonald is, like, 
we're going to give you an award because we need to find an award to give you to justify your presence on this team <laughs> before we buy you out this summer. Like, fuck off, Andy Mack. Oh, Jesus Christ. What's next? The Gene Hart Award for the most heart went to Sean Couturier. Uh, you know, it's whatever. It's one of those awards that, you know, what does it really mean? You know, you probably could have given it to Elliot for coming back and playing well after his injury. It could have given it to Samuel Moran for coming back and playing well. But, hey, Couturier is Couturier, and it's just an award to hand out. Uh, anybody have any thoughts on that one? I would have gave it to Konechny there. There you go. Yeah. I mean, Konechny has to battle with pull, playing on all four lines. You know, he has to. they put him on all four lines through different parts of the season where he probably belongs on the second line. You know, so I, I would give it to him. But Katoria, again, he, he had a fantastic year. Can't argue with that. Yeah. I like the idea of giving it to Elliot just because he had to battle back against his freaking body all year. Yeah. And honestly, he didn't really look awful for, a, you know, most of his starts. I mean, he's definitely probably not a starting goaltender in the NHL anymore. But honestly, it, if, if he's healthy, he could be a serviceable backup. And it's a shame that, he just can't stay in the freaking lineup. And the Toyota Cup for the most points from a three stars of the game, which is baffling. Carter Hart, who only played in 31 games. That's uh, amazing. That's, that's amazing. Uh, you know, considering you had guys like Giroux and Couturier who played, you know, every game this year, or almost every game this year. So, uh, yeah, Carter Hart wins that one. Uh, it's one of those made-up awards, again, just to – brand toyota's name but hey who am i to <laughs> who am i to judge here toyota we need a sponsor yeah we yep. need a sponsor on this show the angry and negative sponsors we'll take requests <laughs> everybody starting mailing me now all right what the fuck do we want to talk about now do we want to talk about flyers twitter or do we want to talk about player quotes end of season shit everything all of it well start, actually though we could start out with the start out with the twitter Oh, great. And we'll, we can work into the juicy stuff. <sighs> Flyers Twitter. Where the <laughs> fuck do I start on Flyers Twitter? Yes. Uh, you know it exactly is where. the worst place in the world. Everybody sucks. <laughs> There's no good people left. And everybody sucks. The holier-than-thou mantra that is now just taken over is poisonous. I fucking can't deal with that anymore. I've been a part of Flyers Twitter for uh, almost six years. Uh, I was had a personal account and discovered Flyers Twitter and then took that one down and started Dan the Flyer fan in mid-2014-ish. And uh, I, I've, I've never seen it so bad. And the, it's just... It's just sucks. And I don't know. I, I could rant about this for fucking hours if you let me. The people are just terrible. I gave an I gave an opinion the other day, and someone and and somebody asked me who my source was, and I'm like, what? Sor <laughs> Tell them I'm your source. Send them to me. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, clearly, I just said that this is my opinion. This is well, how that's I the thing feel. right there. You can't have opinions, Jim. I know. If I want to have an opinion, I have to fucking know somebody. I guess. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> if you have an opinion and you disagree with somebody else, then you're wrong. Because that's just what it fucking is in 2019. I don't talk politics. I don't get into that bullshit, but I see enough of it on Twitter to notice it's the same thing. You throw an opinion out there and you either agree with it or you're wrong. And it's the same fucking thing for Flyers Twitter. Oh, you want this guy back. Well, you're an idiot because you fucking want him back, you piece of shit. You know, you're going to get your name dragged <laughs> through the fucking mud matter who it is. They well, actually, suck. the analytics. 
Oh, fuck analytics. We're not here talking about that shit. You like this player? Oh, well, his fucking course he's not good. No, shit. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of took a hiatus there for a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm back on here. I'm still, still, you know, giving my opinions, but I'm trying to, um, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. Somebody, somebody chime in here. Yeah, somebody save this. You know, the Flyers Twitter for me, they jumped the shark when they won this trip, Drew, of the captaincy. Oh, and my God. Okay. And that's when I knew that this is never going to be the same. You know, and I'm the type that tries to look at it from both sides, even though I know the one point is probably complete bullshit. <laughs> but I at least will say, all right, I see maybe they're just angry. You know, they, they are, they're tweeting mm -hmm. angry. Because uh, I've tweeted angry before, but some of the stuff just comes out of left field. You know, like you like you said earlier, Jim, maybe if they just lost one or two or more games, I don't want to be tortured one or more two times. And I've already been tortured all year to see them lose one or two more games. So it, it's just it's there's sometimes I just scratch your head. Well, here's the thing about that, because say they did lose one or two more games that I mean, like. The whole chain of events is not going to play out the same way. Do you know no. what I mean? It, it, especially if it's, all, if it's all randomly selected. Like, who's to say, the since the Flyers would have finished where the Blackhawks were, oh, that they automatically would be third. Like, it's all a chance. Like, And to see, like, a, a bunch of people like that tweet, I'm like, am I fucking stupid? Or, you know, because 40 people like it, am I the moron? Like, it didn't make sense to me at all. The, the thing that's kind of <laughs> confused the crap out of me about Flyer Twitter or just Flyer social media in general recently is the weird number of Ron Hextall apologists, defenders, oh, whatever you want to call them, that have come back out of the fucking woodwork. Don't like, even get me started. Like, this get was, him started. Get him started. This was one of the worst things that happened this year. He got he was keeping the fucking coach around. Like, what? Uh, I don't understand how you defend any of this crap. He was never going to bring up any of the younger players until they were overcooked in the Phantoms League. I, I, I can't, dude. I can't. Hey, look, the I, only thing he deserves credit for is getting every getting them out of salary cap hell. That's it. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And that's where it starts, and that's where it stops, and that's it. Move on. Yeah. I mean, James Van Riemsdyk. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> we, had, we had him before. Because yeah. there weren't a dozen players this summer that would have better fit the Flyers' needs than fucking Van Riemsdyk. It's, <sighs> like, it's like when you watch Major League and they got Jake Taylor. He was an all-star. He was an all-star five years ago. Yeah, we had him five years ago. <laughs> Ron Hextall apologists. Every once in a while, I see one come out of the woods. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, Ron Hextall's good because he... No, he's not! Fucking wasted five years of my fucking life on this stupid fucking team. And here Ron we are. Good. He scored two goals. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> oh, great. fuck. Has there, ever been a, has there ever been a darker period? I mean, I, I'm not sure how old everybody is here. I'm 31, but I can't remember, like, a, a more irrelevant time in, in my Flyers history. Life oh, no, this is the like, worst. This is the worst I can remember by far. I'm only 26, but still, it's like, no, I, I can't remember anything worse. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm 38. I live. I lived uh, the pre-Lindros era. Oh my God! Where yes. you had Gary Galley, um, you know, Dmitry Yuskevich, who then went on and was an all-star in Toronto. <laughs> so I lived through that. Um, when Lindros cried when he got the Hart Trophy, 
I cried with him because, yeah, I watched those games while he was skating in Oshawa. So there you go. That would be the only thing I could think of would be like the early 90s. Uh, yeah, it was hard. Worse, but I mean, certainly not in my lifetime uh, that they've been this bad. And, and when they have had bad seasons, they bounce back. You know, the 07 year when they had Van Riemsdyk and then they went out and got all those goddamn uh, Briere and a couple other players brought him back. And in uh, 2011, they had uh, made some moves there. And it's just like nothing's happening, you know? And, and there's so many people that just assume Fletcher's going to make moves. You know, there was somebody quoted, uh, there was like, do people actually listen to Fletcher's press conference and think he's not going to be really aggressive? He talked about adding a top six center, a top nine winger, and a top four D. That's more or less the summer of 2007, except he didn't mention Jason Smith or Joffrey Lupel. But like, are you really going to take this guy on his word? Because I don't believe shit anybody's going to say until it happens. You know, yeah, exactly. you can talk a big game all you want, but Ron Hextall did the same thing. Oh, we're going to make changes, and this team's going to be better. And then we sat down in fucking October every year. Well, I tried, but nothing seemed right. You know? Listen, maybe he will go out. Maybe he'll snag Eric Carlson and Martin, and we're all going to have a fucking fiesta on Broad Street. But until that happens, you know, this is the same fucking bullshit team that we've been dealing with for years. And until something changes, which, granted, it might, I'm not going to be optimistic about shit. I don't know how these people just think things are going to change. I'm not going to say it's not, but like, I, I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. You know what scares me about just all of this right now? One of Fletcher's quotes from the other day where it was something like, we plan on being aggressive this offseason, but, you know, yes. we, we don't control the free agent market. Like, a fucking blank checkbook can do a lot to control an offseason, dude. Like, make it fucking happen. Like, the Flyers have, like, the horrible, horrible position of getting stuck amidst the Phillies, the Eagles, and the Sixers, who all actually do shit to improve their teams. And then we've been sitting here for the past seven, eight years, like, oh, just another three to five fucking years. It's been three to five fucking years, and we're not doing anything. Yeah, it used to be the opposite. It used to be the Flyers were the ones that have always been, you know, doing everything they could. But now it's it's gone, it's gone complete 180. I, I'm scared they're not going to do anything. They're just going to do – they're just going to plug holes. And, you know, if, if the only thing they can do is they can make a big impact through trading. They have the assets to do that. So you, so get rid of some of these young, talented guys. I'm okay with that. If it's going to make you better now and go on one or two or three cup runs or deep playoff runs, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I agree 100% there because I just don't think – I mean, unless they go out and get an RFA, and I'll be dead honest, I don't see the Flyers doing that. Um I mean, I think it's going to have to be through trade. And, and they have the assets. They have the draft picks. They have the young talent. Not every single player, uh, not every single prospect is going to make the Flyers. Like, it's just not possible. Yeah. So start moving some of these guys. Uh, I mean, even if it's Rube stuff, like, I, I, was, I wanted to see what he could do this year. Um, but they, the way it looks, there may just not be a spot for him on the Flyers if the guys we think – that are going to come up, end up coming up, like start start packaging some of these guys. And who gives a shit if they're good somewhere else? Because we need players on the roster, and we need them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, if they, one more, yeah. Uh, if I was going to say, if one more person brings up the amount of cash space the Flyers had, but then tries to shoot down the idea of an offer sheet because they're going to be too fucking expensive, I'm going to slap somebody. <laughs> like we. We have cap space. That's what it's there for. It's not just there for you to sit there and play armchair GM like, oh, look, we can add this guy if we, you know, maybe ask him to take a bit of a pay cut. No, you have the money to actually add a guy for 
you know, anywhere from eight to 10 mil a year, fucking do it. Make this team better. It's, it's the, we need to add people, but we can't trade any of the prospects or picks, Daniel! The fuck you all! You gotta do something! You can't hoard these fucking prospects forever! There's just not enough room! Give me Frost and give me Farabee, fuck everybody else, and make your team better now! Yep. God yep. damn it! There, there's not one person. Hard. There's not one person on this Phantoms roster right now that I would say is untouchable to be in a deal. And I'm like, no don't... Go after an RFA that's two years away. Look at the two years out. Go after an RFA for there and maybe sign on an extension then. You have the money. You know, let's let's spend a little stupid money here. You can do it. Mm-hmm. So, so do it. Oh, fucking shit. I hate everything. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> we all spiced up over there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sweating. The Fletcher, yeah, they go back to the quote. The Fletcher says, we'll be active in the offseason, but you can't control free agents and trade markets. And it's like, that is Ron Hextall 101. Um, yep. We are going to try, but they're planting the seeds for the excuses in October when nothing happens. Oh, well, we tried to get this guy, but we can't because, you know, fuck all. It's it just, God, I hate this team. I hate everything. Fucking fly. You sound frustrated, man. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking angry and negative tonight. it's not even angry negative anymore it's like like it's like apathy and frustration like it's fucking it's it's not even anger out of just anger it's anger out of frustration because nothing's fucking changing you know dan i tweeted out the other day i'm i'm not angry at the flyers i'm just disappointed yeah i'm beyond angry now it's just like just disappointed you're just like oh well yeah, this is it's just the par for the course at this point. Just we, I, I every single, every, just the past couple of years, every single time around mid-April, I just find myself needing just uh, so many different things. I need more beer to calm down after this. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just had to go get another one. I, I might have to real quick <laughs> to go with yeah. the two that I already have holding in my yeah. hand. Oh my god, man, Jim, we need to start drinking on the show. What are we doing? Oh, you have to, man. Sober shit. God damn it, I have tea over here. (laughs) I have water, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why, maybe this is why we're so angry and negative. We're drinking tea and water, and these guys got beers. (laughs) Oh, so I I thought I signed up for the Rainbows and Sunshine show. (laughs) (laughs) No, that shit, that shit left the building months ago. This is more fun (laughs) anyway. I left the building in October. Oh, shit, man. (laughs) My girlfriend literally just handed me another beer, too. That's how you know she's a keeper. <laughs> what the fuck's going on in this show? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right, let's get to some of these player quotes, because I'm not fucking angry enough yet. Oh, God. Oh, well, where the fuck to start? Let's start with Shane Goss's beer, because it's the first one I have up here. Oh, Shane. God. Goss despair says he's a little banged up, but nothing that would keep him out. Had lingering knee issue, not structured, doesn't anticipate any surgery. Shane Goss despair is about to have his physical and should get more info, but has banged up, said on October 22nd versus Colorado, he blocked a shot. Like, every fucking year, there's at least one player that plays the whole season injured. Why mm. not just sit the fuck out? You had yes. Wayne Simmons last year that went through like 19 different fucking injuries as the season went on. He played like every game. Why... Why risk your whole season playing like shit instead of just missing 10 games? Now, maybe mm-hmm. if you're Goss's bear, if you sit out, fucking Andrew McDonald's going to come in and never come back out. Yeah. Because Dave Haxtell would have still been there at that time. But, like, why play injured for long stretches of time? 
I don't believe a word that Gossip Bear says. I think he's a douche. And, you know, anytime somebody comes out and says they're not an excuse guy and then starts making excuses, I, like, I, I didn't like him already. And I, I just, I don't even care anymore. Like, every time he opens his mouth, he, he just makes me angry. Like, I think he's a fraud. I think he's uh, an entitled. Uh, I think, I think he's a lot of the issue with this team and maybe not so much for his play, but, uh, more so his, uh, locker room presence, his, his attitude kind of shit. Um, you know, you're not an excuse guy, but you played like shit all year cause you hurt your leg. Like if, if you're not an excuse guy, don't even say that, you know, keep yeah. it to yourself. Um, there was another thing he said that bothered me as well. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, uh, he was a minus something, a minus 20 or something worse on the team and came out and said, uh, you know, a lot of those were empty netters. Well, oh, that's the, the worst wait, thing you can friggin' say. What? What the? What the hell, what? man? Like, <laughs> so, so, what does that oh, mean? Man, I missed exactly. That quote. Jesus. All right. I thought. I thought the other thing with him too was he credited Dave Haxtall for giving him more offensive that, mobility, to do what he needed. Meanwhile, Dave Haxtall was the one that healthy scratched you. Yeah. Because, blew my because mind. you know. Uh, you know, Jim, I agree with you there, man. He actually really – you try not to believe the rumors that he can be a, a quote-unquote cancer in the locker room. But judging by these exit interview comments and just looking past over the past two or three seasons, he is a douche. Yeah, he is, man. Like I don't know how else to describe him. Like he's a crybaby. And, you know, I, Dan, you and I have talked about this on, on past shows. Like you have a team – uh, the Flyers are one of the youngest teams in the league. I, I think I saw fourth youngest. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a guy like Gossip Bear, uh, you know, guys like JVR, uh, Voracek, you know, leading the way as as mentors or leaders. And uh, I think that's you're in a pretty fucked up situation if those guys are supposed to be uh, the guys everyone else is supposed to be looking up to. Like, I, I just I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of see them more as like bullies or like like clicky players as, as, as more than more so than leaders. And you know, I, don't get me wrong because I'm not saying that Shane Gossespierre is not talented, because uh, people could easily confuse that. But I just don't think he's. I think he is more of a problem in the. And this is just my opinion. Okay, I don't. I don't have any fucking sources. I don't know anybody in the Flyers, um, but uh, I, I think he hurts. Uh, what this team's trying to build towards more than he helps, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and, and Jim, and it is an opinion. Just like, believe me, he's a very talented player. I, there's nobody I want on my power play at the point guiding it along and going to slap it for a one-timer than him. Uh, you know, but my thing is this. Last season, let me ask you, you three boys this question is, mm-hmm. Simmons had everything wrong with him, lower body, that there could be. Did Simmons ever come out in his exit interview and say, hey, this is what was bothering me? No, no, exactly. You know, and I get it. You're a hockey hockey players are supposed to play through everything. But, you know, you're right, Dan. Sit out 10 games. Get yourself healthy. Get yourself right. Because Simmons, you know, at, at points last year were hurting the team uh, by him being in there if he was hurt. But Simmons never said he was hurt last year at the end of the year. Gossip here did. Yeah, you know, I... Uh... I don't know. I, I've been one of the bigger Gostas Bear defenders out there recently just because I mean, the, the potential with the kid is fantastic. I think he's got a ton of talent. And like like you were saying, Mike, I don't want anyone else quarterback in the power play at the blue line other than Shane Gostas Bear at this point. But that's 
that's just disappointing to hear it at the end of the year, starting to blame like, you know, oh yeah, I was injured for all these times. And like, well, like we were saying earlier, if you really, if it's really bugging you that much and it's, you're clearly dragging the team down because his defensive play this year was terrible. It was just, uh, I believe Mike brought it up. The uh, offensive risk with Dave Haxtell. I wouldn't say they put handcuffs on me or anything, but I'd say they pulled the range back quite a bit. (laughs) Like, you're fucking telling me Dave Haxtell played him better than uh, Scott Gordon did. Really, fool? Like, <laughs> this was the guy that sat him for trying to do things offensively. Now, listen, I, I think that the system that Rick Wilson and Scott Gordon implemented did hurt this current group of defensemen. But, like, you can't fucking tell me... Dave Haxtell is better. I don't want to sit here and defend Gordon. I really don't, because I don't like this guy right now. Mm-hmm. But, like, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh, <God>. Wait, <laughs> what? Why don't you like Scott Gordon right now? Because he sucks! <laughs> sucks! Sucks! <laughs> you're also asking us, and Dave Haxtell here, you're also asking us to defend the guy who sat Oscar Lindblom out for fucking Yori Laterra in his last game. Oh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Dave Haxtell. Uh, well, he's probably surprised supplying the party favors. That's why he was yeah. playing. <laughs> you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Hey, we, that I think we've got a new award going forward: the Yori Latera Life of the Party. <laughs> That's actually a really good one. Yeah, Mike Richards was that was the king of that award until Yuri came around. Yep. Mikey. Hey, I saw something interesting today on on. Flyers Twitter since I you know we were talking about that a little bit ago somebody uh whenever somebody suggests uh a player who's not a locker room guy everybody's really quick to to bring that point up even though they're a really good hockey player like for example Ryan O'Reilly right mm-hmm. uh I think I was suggesting him earlier in the year why don't they trade for Ryan O'Reilly like the Blues are bad like maybe they can you know maybe they made a mistake or blah 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 the first thing people said was Oh, he's a cancer in the locker room. And I'm like, what? Have you seen the Flyers locker room? Uh, like, he, like Ryan O'Reilly's a good hockey player. And Mike Richards was a good hockey player. You can't tell me he was a locker room guy. They went to the fucking Stanley Cup. Speaking of Mike Richards, did you hear the fucking Flyers rumor that the fans want Jeff Carter back? Uh, oh, my God. I saw that today. God. Are you kidding me? Too what little, too fucking fuck late, guys. Come on. The guy's half dead at this point because he had so many goddamn leg injuries. He's making like $6 million for three more years. He had like 33 points this year. Are you fucking kidding me? You guys are dumb as shit, Flyers. <laughs> I'm glad so I didn't funny. see that, man. Are you kidding me? I uh, saw that really late in the day. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I'm just going to put my phone down and pretend like that never even happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Fletcher quotes here. Fletcher said, player opinion, which is strongly pro-Gordon, is not a significant factor in the process. Not really looking for their input issue isn't really what they say. It's how they play. The thing with that is, like, Fletcher would then go on to defend Scott Gordon and say that he's the major candidate for, you know, to, to come back. But I, 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 I don't even know what to say as far as Scott Gordon goes. I, Coach Q obviously went to Florida. Uh, it sounds like Todd McClellan is going to go to either L.A. or Buffalo but I didn't really want him anyway. But, like, mm-hmm. this coaching thing is 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 fucking annoying. <laughs> hey, if, if Fletcher said that about the players, I actually really respect that because I think a GM has they need a uh, They need someone to be like that in this organization. It can't be all, you know, lovey-dovey, we got to baby our players bullshit. Like, 
it's not up to the players who becomes the coach. If you don't want to play for the coach, get the fuck out because they're the problem with this fucking thing. A lot of the players are the problem. Like I know that like we had Haxtell, he was a shitty coach. Scott Gordon, not the best coach, but it's clearly you could see. And some of the uh, quotes from Scott Gordon, I think, will um, when we get to them. But there, they somebody said that they don't think. I think Fletcher was was quoting that they they're not using their minds. They need to change their mindset. Well, dude, mm-hmm. some of these guys are twenty and thirty years old. Like they ain't changing, bro. You know. When it comes to coach, this team doesn't need the players' guy. They need somebody that the players don't want. Yeah, exactly. You know, they need discipline. And no matter how old you are or how much of a veteran you are, discipline will win you games. I mean, it's a proven fact. Discipline doesn't last long. It's only got a you know three to five year shelf life, but you're going to be successful in those years. You know, and you're, you're Lavi was a different discipline guy. They went 100% to the lobby. You know, now they have these guys that come in that are quote unquote good with the young talent. No, you know, get in their faces. Yeah. You know, tell them what you expect out of them. Tortorella, you know where you stand. You know, you hear guys that have played for Tortorella, they always say he's a dick, but they always knew where you stood with him. And he always told you what he wanted out of you. And that's what this team needs from top to bottom. Hell, if we're going to mention Flyers coaches that did that, Mike Keenan was a guy that, you know, kicked this team into shape. Nobody fucking liked him, and he eventually got fired because of it. But, you know, he whipped this team into shape. He's the second winningest coach in the Flyers history. And it's like, why? I don't know. I, I fucking I hate everything. I'm so, I'm so frustrated I can't even focus. <laughs> I would rather have a coach like that any day than a coach that's going to ignore me or, or punish me like I'm a little kid for something. I if, I, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know about it right then and there. And it doesn't matter how you tell me because, I, you know what I mean? As long as I know what I'm doing wrong, you could call me a fucking asshole, whatever you want to call me. But now I know what I got to fix. And right there and then, and I can start to fix it. You know, if, if you punish me for something and take away ice time or put me in the press box, now I got a problem with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that's the kind of stuff that was going on with Haxtell and you know, Gordon, it sounds like, is more of a player's coach. Um, but I don't want them to have Gordon just because mm-hmm. it sounds like they like him. I don't want them to yeah. have anything that they want at all because I, I feel like this team ends up walking all over guys like that. You know what I mean? It's just There's too many liberties taken from the players here. You know, yes. and, and, and yeah. it, I don't know. Whether it's somebody like Gordon or I think that's where somebody like coach Q would have been good. You know, one of these no nonsense people that are going to come in and, and get shit done. You know, yeah. I, they don't need somebody that they're friends with. Like, like uh, Jim was just saying, it's just, it's so frustrating, you know, watching this happen. And there really isn't a name on the market that I think everybody agrees on, which has been fucking blatantly obvious. If you've been on flyers, Twitter over the past <laughs> couple of days, um, but like, I just don't think Gordon's the guy, and I d- I'm not going to read all the quotes here, but uh, they're all on Bill Meltzer's Twitter feed if anybody wants to go read them here. But Gordon went on, uh, talked about a lot of things, and a lot of them were, oh, I didn't have enough time to practice, and this team, and I, w- I want to implement this and that in the future, and it's like, but I I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's here longer. I hope he's not here longer. I don't know who the fuck they replaced him with, but at this point, I don't think it can be Gordon moving forward. 
I think the best option, honestly, so far is probably Dave Tippett. I think you still need to bring somebody in with at least some NHL experience. Like, I wrote an article not too long ago talking about, like, yeah, like Sheldon Keefe and guys like Todd Nelson would be pretty good. But I think you still need somebody with a decent amount of NHL experience. I will say, though, Todd Nelson sounds like a guy who doesn't take any shit from anybody. There's a couple quotes in his um, in the article that I put up on Brotherly Puck not too long ago. It's basically like, we like why, why would you not want to dictate play? Why would you not want to just like step in and like kick some ass? Like something to that extent. Like that's I think that's the kind of mentality this team needs because it's just been so much slow perimeter freaking let's try and make this scrub outside pass for way too fucking long. Like, no, get in there and dictate the damn play. Yeah. I 100% agree with that, yeah. man. I don't care who coaches this team next. I just want a coach that's going to say, hey, why don't you control the puck below the net and work your way out rather than try to go yeah. cross ice every freaking time? Oh, my God. And this is fucking something I end up ranting about every single week. And I don't care who the coach is. I don't care if it's Mickey friggin' Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> work the puck below the net. I mean, oh, the greatest player to, to escape, where did he live? Behind the net. You know, do that. Oh, fuck. Let's see here. Oh, we're a little over the hour, Mark. Well, let's get some closing thoughts here. Jim, your Holy thoughts. Shit, that's been an hour already? Hour and <laughs> four minutes, yeah. Yeah, wow, this was fun. This was fun. We have to do this one Time again. Time flies, man. Get your uh, closing thoughts on the past couple days of the fucking Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I don't feel good, man. Like, you know, when the season ended, I, I was kind of relieved. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now we can go get the coach. Uh, you know, maybe the draft, I got to be honest. Like, I don't really give a shit where they pick. Um, just because, you know, in most cases, it's going to be two, three years before you see the guy. Um, even though it looks like Fletcher's trying to get some of these guys up earlier. Um, I mean, realistically, it's two to three years before they make an impact. So in most cases, I, I don't give a shit about the draft because I want to see the Flyers win and I want to see them win now. Um, having said that, you know, uh, I'm disappointed, man. Uh, and, and I'm angry again. Like, they're not even playing. They missed out on the coach that they should have gotten. Um, for whatever reason, it sounds like they, you know, they made an attempt. Uh, the situation in Florida sounded too perfect, you know, with the, some of the Chicago guys being down there. And, you know, who doesn't want to live in Florida, whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what to, to expect now. Uh, I would have liked him to have gotten a coach early and go through the offseason with the new coach. Uh, it, it does look like they may keep Gordon around. Uh, I mean, I know it's still early, so things could change. But, I mean, you can hear how I sound right now is how I feel about the Flyers. I'm not excited. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And yep. it's just like, what the fuck? Uh, like another offseason of the same shit. Is what, if that's how I feel. And it's not even the same GM. It's a, a totally different GM. Mm. Um, what do I hope they do for the roster? If they can bring in a, a 2C, um, then I'll get, I'll start to, I'll perk up a little bit. I won't be excited, but I'll, I'll be like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe we have something going here, but I'm not excited. Uh, I'm more apathetic than anything. And that for, to me, uh, I don't like to be apathetic. I want to be excited or I want to be angry. Yeah. I want to, I just want to be passionate in some way. Uh, I don't want to sit here and be like, damn it. Now let's wait and see. I hate that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you entirely. I feel the same way. For the first fucking time in my whole life as a Flyers fan, I just don't care anymore. They've made it to a point where I just don't care. 
because they don't trust them. I don't trust them to do the right thing and make the right move and really make changes. You know, maybe we'll be sitting here in October with fucking bells on our heels because they'll make all kinds of moves and they'll be competitive. But, like, until that day happens when they make that signing or make that trade, it, it just, it's the same bullshit team, you know? Yeah. And and they didn't get Coach Q and fucking Christ if Gordon comes back. It, it's just, I don't know. There's just, there's not, I see people that get mad at people on Flyers Twitter for being negative, but it's like, how the fuck can you be optimistic right now? Like, what yeah. are you drawing that from? I would love to sit here and be happy. I would be the happiest guy in the fucking world if the Flyers were playing as well as they did in the fucking 90s. You know? If they made a serious cup run again. When the hell was the last time? You know, they made it in 2010, but that was a miracle run. When was the last time this team was thoroughly, decently good? Has it been since Lindros left? I don't think so. Maybe a couple times in the early 2000s, but like, holy fuck. It's the same just... just just nothingness. Apathy is totally the word for the Philadelphia Flyers right now. Mike, let's get your uh, closing thoughts on the 2018-19 Flyers season. Before I say that, I'm just going to let you know that Columbus just tied it up 3-3. Three to three. Son of what? a bitch. Oh, come oh, Josh, on. Josh Anderson just sniped the puck looking like Drew in the stadium series a little while ago. Um, but my final point, it's pretty sad when the biggest thing you have looked to look forward to in the offseason is developmental camp and what Morgan Frost weighs in at. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree. I think the key word for offseason this year is stagnation. Yeah. Because yeah. they're they're not going to do anything. Gordon will be your coach next year probably. And look, Quinville, as much as everybody wanted him, hey, look, who wouldn't want to coach Barkov, Trocek, Ekblad, Yandel? You know, I mean, the list goes on. Dadanoff. They have a lot of – uh, Hoffman. I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, that's that's a good roster to coach. I mean, it's a very underachieving roster. They've been for the past couple of years. Uh, you know, so hey, look, he really he had relationships down there. That's why he went there. I get that part of it. I still wish that maybe a little more due diligence, a little more, you know, applying the pressure to get him here. Uh, Gordon's going to be your coach. You know, unfortunately, it looks like because who else would you want? I mean, there isn't really anybody out there that you would want coming into this team. Out there, the only one I would say, and this is going out a long shot, and and is Guy Boucher because he has a chip on his shoulder for what he just had to endure in Ottawa for the past couple of years. You get a guy that's pissed off. He was let go with basically coaching minor league hockey players in Brady Kachuk. So he would be the only one, and he's he's a, a dark horse candidate in that one. I like that name, man. I really – because he – he coaches with some passion, Kibouche. Even though I don't, I'm not really crazy about his style of play. Uh, I mean, he, I, he's made long runs. He's he made has. long runs in the playoffs. So I mean, but he's a long shot. I, I really think that they're going to bring Gordon back. They're going to bring Gordon back because the players like them, for the most part. And that's that's what worries me the most when it comes to free agency this year. I hope that they're competitive. They have the money to spend. I hope that they're competitive when it comes time to trade somebody. Get rid of some of these assets. Like you said, Jim, the draft does not matter this year. You have already a plethora of young talent that you haven't even tapped that resource yet. So why not see what you got already? I would not care if they traded this pick a la Braden Shen from a couple years ago and go get a player instead of another draft pick and do the reverse. So as much as I am negative, I am positive because you just never know. It is hockey. I mean, even eight seeds win the Stanley Cup. So you just never know. 
Brian? I they they need to trade this freaking first round pick. Like, I know there's a lot of people talking about how great like Cole Caulfield and maybe a handful of other names are going to be. You know it's you know it's going to take another two to three years before they're probably going to be in the lineup and actually you know contributing to the team. And the only other thing that's going to happen in two to three years, aside from the Flyers just probably miring along in mediocrity, is Giroux and Voracek are going to get older at the same time. You know, we're still sitting here wasting a lot of their prime. We, they, like you were saying, they, we've got to, I really think they need to move that pick, Braden Shen style, get some good pieces in here. Um, this, this, this offseason is going to be really crucial. I mean, not only just to the Flyers' success, but to just like the fan base as a whole, because the, the, the entire fan base can just be summed up as apathy. You you can see it in this in this number of seats being sold. You can see it on social media. People know that this team hasn't really done anything for the better part of the past decade. They they really need to hit it out of the park this offseason. I really want to see like they desperately, desperately need to hammer home a good two C. I like guys like Matt Duchene or Kevin Hayes. I don't personally for me, I honestly don't care what they want. If 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 you want to make the team better, you will pay the damn money to do it. You know, I it's what I it's what I always send to, you know, make fun of Nationals fans on Twitter nowadays. Like if you're not going to pony up the money to make your team better and get a really good player, then what the fuck are you even doing? Like they really, really need to do a lot to improve this team this offseason, because if we get to early October and this roster is still pretty much the same, then what was the point of firing Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall? Hey, we've got Cam Talbot. Oh. <laughs> Pencil it in. Cup right now, baby. <laughs> I, I think this team doesn't have an identity. They need an identity is the key yeah. word there. Yeah, and, and I, I think you guys are both right. You know, there's no excuse for Chuck Fletcher to not do something major this offseason. I have no interest in keeping that 11th overall pick. No. You know, you need people now. They can't do this two or three years away from being two or three years away bullshit anymore. You just can't. You know, you're going to draft somebody, some motherfucking 18-year-old's going to come in. It's going to be three, four years before you even see him in the NHL. And then it's another three, four years before he's fucking at his peak. Like we've seen with all these kids that have come up over the past few years. They just can't do it anymore. You gotta save some face here. The Flyers need to turn some shit around and make things happen. And they need to do it quick. And... Again, if they go into next season with the fucking same lineup and the same coaches with the addition of fucking, you know, Boyd Gordon on the fourth line, Dan the Flyer fan's going to lose his shit. Not that I already have it. But... Four-three Columbus, by the way. Satchon's with a snipe from the point. Oh, for fuck's sake. Four-three Columbus? I was like, wait, what the hell was that noise? <laughs> four-three Columbus? Yes. What? Holy shit. Panarin with a touch pass. Feeding it to Seth Jones in his slot. Oh Dang. my god. Five fifty four left in the third period and Columbus is up four three. Future Florida. Anybody Panthers. want to change the fucking guesses before we <laughs> Columbus Someone's... in four? Didn't someone say four one? Four uh, one uh, Tampa? No, I, I, I said Tampa sweep. Yeah, we yeah, I took Tampa a Tampa sweep. sweep. Yeah. I give Tampa five games actually. But hey, all right, boys. It's been a long fucking night. My throat hurts. Um <laughs> Jim, let's get some plugs on. Jim, go first. I uh, got high and wide radio tomorrow night with Jack Smith. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Jim 
Wait, wait. Let me just double check this here. <laughs> <laughs> Jim underscore HW Radio. Yep, Twitter. Or you can find me on Instagram, angry underscore Jim. That's fun, too. All right, Michael. I drop a podcast every week with my co-host, Section 247 Podcast. Me and my co-host, Michael Lipinski, MJL underscore pod. That's where he is. You can find me on MichaelWalkin7 on Twitter. We usually drop a podcast every Tuesday, but this week it's been it's going to be Thursday. All right, Brian? Keep an eye out on Brotherly Puck later this week. I'm going to be doing an article discussing who the actual untouchables are on this Flyers roster and who is probably just going to be moving on. All right, that's brotherlypuck.com, at brotherlypuck. You want to listen to this show as well as all the other motherfucking shows I do every week. <laughs> at brotherly underscore pod. You can follow the other podcast, uh, at Puck on Twitter. We will be back on the 15th, I believe, with Dave Isaac, so that'll be a good show. Uh, you, you fucking, you can count down card. Oh, I just threw my notebook across the room by accident. Hello. <laughs> You want to count down really Carter Hart's? It's the middle of the summer, but hey, you want to count down Carter Hart's wins with me? You can do that at Heart Countdown. I am the president of the Samuel Moran fan club at Might Be Moran on Twitter. Uh, be back. Jim and I will probably be back next week, unless I fucking put a bullet in my brain between now and then. Um, <laughs> we will be back. <laughs> we'll be back talking the playoffs, and I'm sure the Flyers will fuck something up between now and then as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some big announcements uh, over the next couple weeks as well, as well as the future of the show. So that has been it. Thank you to our guests, Michael and Brian. Jim, we are going to drink next week. Until then, goodbye <laughs> and good night. <laughs>